You're listening to the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Spotlight on eWomen, the place for everything eWomen Network. Entrepreneur, enterprising, enlightening, and exciting. Please welcome your eWoman host, Phyllis Smith. Hello and welcome to Spotlight on eWomen Network, where we feature members of eWomen Network who have a story of transformation to tell and wisdom to share. I'm Phyllis Smith, director of eWN Podcast Network and, of course, the host of of Spotlight on eWomen Network. So my next guest is quite a story. By by all medical accounts, uh, she should not be here today. She was born three months early in 1976 um, and given basically 24 hours to live. And that was only the beginning of her struggles. When she was um, young in elementary school, she was severely bullied um, and, uh, and diagnosed as a slow learner. Um, educators thought she'd never be able to write. I mean, she had all the negative, negative, you uh, can't do it, you are nothing, thrown out at her from all directions. Um, today, she does still suffer from uh, high-functioning anxiety uh, and PTSD, but she is on a mission and helps other young girls uh, overcome similar challenges that she went through so that they can grow up with self-confidence uh, and believing in their own power. So please welcome Amy Hutton. Hi, Amy. Hello, Phyllis. Thank you so much for having me today. How are things? Things are good, and I'm so glad to have you, and we're so happy. You've been a member of eWomen for a, a long time. I see you at every conference, and you're right up there, and, and uh, you always seem just excited to be there, and, and whatever you're, you're learning and the people you're meeting. So um, we're just, we're, we're, uh, we'd love to have you as part of our, our network. So, um, so this story of your birth is really quite something. Um, Take us, I mean, take us there. What, what were the circumstances and how did you survive? Yeah, that's a really good question. What I was told, because granted, I don't remember anything from it. Uh, luckily, my father actually kept a journal, a diary of my time in the NICU. And my mom found out the hard way that she couldn't carry to term. She had a, a weak cervix. Um, I was told that mom was even given medication and drugs to try and keep me in longer. And well, I had other plans. Mm. So off I came into the world. (laughs) October 6, 1976 in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And I was born at a hospital called Riverside. And then because of the situation, my, the doctors had uh, transferred me immediately to the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario. Now, ironically, Phyllis, the CHIO is what it's short for. CHIO opened its doors in 1974. The NICU had only just started. And the doctors pulled, the, the head neonatologist, say that five times fast, he uh, pulled my dad aside and said, you know, your baby's really sick. Oh, actually, I didn't have a name at that point. You know, your daughter's really sick. Does she have a name? Um, she's got 24 hours to live, you know, almost like getting priorities in, in the set and we have to baptize her. Um, however, I'm here today, so I must have survived those first 24 hours. Um, but during those, uh, I think it was roughly six weeks. I was born October 6th and I went home December 23rd. So right before Christmas. And through that time, 
I had blood infections. Uh, I had stomach infections, lung infections. I know I was put in quarantine, like within the NICU, which is a neonatal intensive care unit for those who don't know. Um, the NICU even in itself has a quarantine. I was put into quarantine at least twice to my knowledge um, because they were not they were want, not wanting me to infect the other babies. Mm. And little by little, I grew and grew. Um, there's a great photo I've seen of my neonatologist popping champagne. And uh, the reason for that was because I graduated into a bigger girl bed and I got to, to be in a bigger bed. And when I was born, I didn't mention this yet, Phyllis, when I was born, I was one pound, 12 ounces. Oh my gosh. One pound. Oh my gosh. That is unbelievable. Like I think, you know, I think this water is about a pound. Jeez. Yeah. I fit in my dad's hand. Mm. And when he, when he finally got to see me, now this is the other thing about technology and babies and whatnot. When I was born, um, a kangaroo care was not invented. And B, um, when I was to be touched or held, it was maybe a finger through the isolate, which is that fancy incubator, um, and, and just kind of touched on like the head or the bottom of my foot or, or something like that. And when I was allowed out of the, the isolate, um, I was wrapped in blankets and then given to my mother. So that skin on skin never really happened um, like it should as it does today. Does that now? How does that impact you? Because I've heard that 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 is the time that babies that they need that skin on skin so desperately. So has that had a long term effect for you? Looking at my life and things that go on in my life, um, in some respect, yes. Um, I do have uh, a little bit of a bigger personal bubble, even with family. Um, like I like to be close to family and friends, but it's okay. You're, you're close enough now. And I notice it at conference too. I don't always step right into the circle of, of the ladies standing. It's because no, I don't want to stand right close to you. Even if I, if it's a friend, I only see once a year at the conference, for example. Mm. And that's part of the anxiety, which we'll get to maybe later. Yeah, we'd will. So I mentioned in the intro about you being bullied when you were in elementary school. Tell us about that. What, what, what was that like for you? Lonely. And um, I had a friend, but she was in grade four. And the, part of the reason why I was bullied, Phyllis, is that I was held back a year. Because of the borderline learning disabilities in gray area, um, they held me back. So I had to make a whole other new circle of friends. And because of that, I was called every name in the book, and probably then some, use your imagination. Um, and it got worse and worse progressively. The worst time for me was grade seven and eight. And specifically, I can remember grade seven because I was in a grade seven, eight split. And we were in the change room for gym time and getting changed into gym clothes. And I can remember the girls in grade eight coming up behind me, grabbing me by the back of my bra strap flinging me around the locker room and I went flying and landed in the locker cubby area. I cry. I was crying mm. um, and didn't know who to trust because I didn't, couldn't see who did it and who was behind me. Mm. And when the teacher came in, she's like, what, what happened? And I'm just red in the face and tears. I don't say a word because I know what ha I know 
if I say something, um, it's going to get worse. Mm. And I was isolated by friends. I like to do partner work was a major struggle because no one wanted to be my partner. Like the scenes of being picked last in gym class. Yes, I was picked last, but then it goes even more with doing uh, partner work or group work. Nobody wanted me in their group because they thought I was stupid, dumb, ugly, retarded. Use your imagination. Oh my goodness. And how does one recover from that? I mean, that, and that was throughout you. It wasn't, it didn't even, it went through your whole schooling, but then it also, something happened when you went to university as well. Yeah. Um, I can, I, what I can share, what I want to share right away is how one of my uh, coping and how I got through the elementary school bit was I was a girl guide or as in the United States, Girl Scout. And I also did ballet. I danced for 11 years. And throughout those times, especially in Pathfinders, which is you know 12 to 15 years of age, I was, I was able to excel. I became a leader because I wasn't being asked to do math or to spell or to whatever. I was camping. I was hiking. So those were my outlets to help me cope. Yeah. And then high school... I wasn't teased, but I still had the learning issues going on and the self-confidence was really, really low. Did you have any adults in your life that, that helped you? Uh, yes. I, my mom and dad did their best they could. And now, you know, it was what late 90 or late eighties, early nineties. So they were doing the best they could with what they knew and their knowledge. And, um, also in, uh, my pathfinder leader, Tracy Christodoulou, um, was amazing. She even grabbed me aside one day and she's like, you know, if you ever need to talk about anything, I'm right here. Um, it's going to be okay because I spouted off the children's help phone number here in Canada that I still have memorized today. And she pulled me aside and said, if you ever need to talk, come get me, come like call me on the phone at that point. You know, <laughs> we didn't have internet back then. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so she was one of the people who really helped and then in high school, uh, my swim coaches uh, were really beneficial in, you know, saying, yeah, you can do this. You know, you, you sound like, I mean, here you were in, 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 you were, uh, in scouts, you, were, you danced, you were a swimmer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's like you just wonder what was it. Even often kids who are bullied, they still have that one friend. You know, and I guess being in Girl Scouts helped save you. My son was in Boy Scouts and he was in the band in school, in high school. And I really think that helped him uh, tremendously to, because otherwise, you know, he had been bullied in seventh and eighth grade. That's like the worst time. Those kids, oh, they're just really, they're, it's, that's a tough time. They, they're not children. They're not adults. And they're trying to figure out their own lives. So they take it out on someone else. Yeah. Because they're so, you know, they're just so confused themselves. So yeah, totally. they're so, yeah, they, they don't have control of their own lives, so they have to control somebody else. But that's another story to get into. Another day. Another day. So, <laughs> so when you went to school, I mean, I imagine you suffered from tremendous anxiety. Yes. Yeah. And then coupling into university, it was kind of <laughs> icing on the cake of everything I went through my growing up years. Um, do I have time to share that? Yes, please. Awesome. 
So in university, I went to school 16 hours away from home. I grew up as a, in Toronto, Ontario, and I went to university in Thunder Bay, Ontario, which is the northeast, no, northwest corner of Ontario, still in the province, kind of like Texas, kind of big. Um, but I didn't go home because I was there for school and 16-hour drive, I don't go home for Sunday dinner. Right. So I'm making friends, and it was a co-ed dorm, both men and women living on campus. And... Um, that was even the, oh my gosh, I got, got into university because of my learning skills and, and struggles. I was just over the moon when I got accepted to the three schools I applied to. But I chose uh, Lakehead University because of living on campus and they guaranteed me living on campus. I met a boy right around Thanksgiving, right around my birthday. Uh, Thanksgiving in Canada is in October. And I fell in love like head over heels and he was blonde blue eyes and I thought wow maybe this is the guy I'm gonna fall in love with and become married and all that jazz because I did have a friend in my growing up years and through high school who met her well now her husband she met in university mm. so I saw her one year ahead of me going and I'm like oh well maybe she married what's his name um, maybe that's what's gonna happen to me when I met and I call him Devin um, when I met Devin, um, I was like, oh, maybe he's, he's cool. He, he, was, he was cute. He played hockey. He did soccer. So he was athletic. Um, and then things kind of got turned uh, on its head. Phyllis, I, um, he started to wanting to know where I was going, who I was with. Um, he got jealous, like crazy jealous and had a temper. Um, one of my memories I have is... He, uh, a group of us, both boys and girls, couples, we were watching the movie Top Gun. And Top Gun came out at that point on VHS. And there came on the volleyball scene where all, you know, Tom Cruise, Velcom or whatever are taking their shirts off. And it was really awesome. Or so I thought. And uh, boyfriend, Devin, did not like me googly eyes over Tom Cruise, Velcom or on screen. And he's like, you never look at me that way. You never say, oh my gosh, to me that way. Um, so that was the jealousy piece. And then the anger, um, studying for, for exams, I, through music, made a, a CD in high school. And we made a CD. So I brought that along to university to listen to when I was studying. And he came into the room and he said he didn't like the CD that he saw. So he put it on the bottom of the pile and uh, I started crying because I'm like, that's a really important thing to me was that CD. And he's like, well, no, I wasn't with you at that time of your life. I don't want to hear about anything from high school or anything from your growing up years that what you did. A friend of ours knocked on my door and he said, hey, Amy and Devin, we're going to a different place on campus to study, you know, have a cup of coffee, have what you come with. I said, no, thanks. I'm good staying where I am. Devin said, well, I don't know where that location is can you tell like he couldn't figure it out so we were both my friend and I were trying to help explain where this place was Devin got so upset he actually took a lanyard he had around his neck and flung it at mm. my friend's head and my friend ducked because he was in kinesiology so he had the mm. um, you know the reaction skills he looked he also grabbed the keys he looked at Devin looked at me 
looked back at Devin and back at me. And then he said, don't throw things, don't throw things at people. Looked at me. He's like, don't throw things ever. Mm. So that was the anger piece. And it's just, it kind of spiraled from there. Like I started to become afraid of being with him, even though I loved him. So I had this game going on in my head. Yeah. Let me jump in there because I imagine you probably, he was your first boyfriend. Am I correct? Based second. on what your, your second boyfriend. Yeah. Um, so you, so, um, and because you've been through so much of bullying and, and people just rejecting you, the idea of having somebody, even though that was anger, there must have been a part of you that also felt flattered in a sort of, you know, in a way that he cared or he loved you so much that he wanted you all to himself. Yes. Oh, gosh, yes. It was, oh, I love him. He, he, you know, he had a little nickname for me and he would do little sweet things, especially after he got angry. Mm, yeah. All right, listen, we've got to take a short break, but when we come back, um, we are going, you're going to tell us how you've turned those difficult, challenging times in your life and how you've turned it around to help others overcome that same, those same challenges. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Calling all speakers. E-Women Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Welcome back to Spotlight on eWomen. Here's your host, Phyllis Smith. And welcome back to Spotlight on eWomen Network. I'm Phyllis Smith. I'm speaking with Amy Hutton. And Amy has uh, been telling us about how she's been uh, abused she was born, first of all, she didn't even be here. She was born three months early and the doctor said she only had 24 hours to live, but she's here. Um, then she went, had learning differences and that was severely bullied throughout her entire life uh, or young life in elementary and middle school. And, and then she had an abusive boyfriend. So uh, in, when she was in university. So Amy, you you said, and I said this earlier, that you you still suffer from anxiety and PTSD. How does that manifest itself in you today? Um, it manifests by hmm. okay. I'll take coming to the conference. Um, when I come to the Women Network conference, um, me flying on a plane is anxious because of the unknown factors. Um, I get there really early just to help calm my nerves. And I know where my gate is. I know this, that, and other thing. When I arrive at conference, it's okay. Maybe I've arrived with some of the girls from Calgary, but maybe I haven't. And it's the, okay, who do I know? Who can I, like, I feel alone mm. and, and worried that I'm going to miss where I have to go or, or where I have to be. How it also manifests is... Um, sometimes a crowded room of people, even though I may know, we'll say 80% of the women in the room, I still have this anxious of, I, I don't want to go in. There's too many people. That's why actually you've seen me at conference in the morning at six thirty in the morning, sitting by myself, because that's my time 
to kind of center myself. And it's one of my coping strategies to have my quiet time in the morning mm. so I can get, be okay for the day. Other how it, it, it'll uh, manifest itself is um, sitting at the table and I, I like to sit at the end. I know there are circles, so sometimes it's a little bit difficult, but sitting at the end of the circle where there's nobody beside me so I can spread out and have my space and I know where my space is. Um, I like to sit near the front, as, as you've mentioned, again, because I can see, I can hear, and I don't have all those distractions and all the people around me that could be to potential bother. Another way it manifests um, is I really do not like having my back exposed. I don't like people coming up behind me, which is a little bit difficult at the conference because people know who I am. Um, I actually had a, a girl, um, a friend, I think she's from Texas, I think, that came up behind me and she put her arm around me and I did a double take and froze. And mm -hmm. she's like, Amy, it's me, Elizabeth. I was like, okay. <laughs> well, the interesting thing, Amy, is that that bow you wear in your hair, you always wear that bow, which is a way attracts people. They, as you said, they know exactly who you are. So somebody who has to keep her space, you have created this kind of branding for yourself so that people will know you and you stand out because of it. Yep. So there's a kind of funny dichotomy there. Yeah, and that, that's part of like, there's people who have um, a, the forms of anxiety that they wouldn't even come to conference because it's too overwhelming, too many people, so on and so forth. I've developed my own coping strategies that, yes, I attract people, but I actually also deflect as well, I've been told. Um, there was a lady one year at conference, she watched me at across the room, but never came over. Next year, she came over to me, she's like, hey, I saw you last year across the room, but I didn't want to approach you because of, I forget her wording, but she was almost afraid to come and approach me because of my energy. I guess is the word. Mm -hmm. um, but like my coping strategies is, yeah, knowing where my exits are, knowing who's around me. Um, like, yes, I like to get up and dance and stuff, but I normally stay close to my chair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's important to know that you have these coping skills that you have developed. Um, and for people who are, are listening or watching the video, they, if you have been through anything like Amy, who've been bullied, who, um, you know, her life was teetering on the edge at the day when she was, the day she was born. And here she's had to suffer so much. But Amy, the important thing now is, yes, you're here and you've developed these skills over time. Um, I'd like to know now your story of, of how you are now working with young girls and um, what your strategy or what, how, how do you impart your wisdom um, to help them get through what you've been through? Yeah. How that unfolded is I was working with adult women when I first started uh, being an entrepreneur. And I was at a, a mastermind type conference and uh, we each had a spot in the hot seat. And then I, I, I spoke about my childhood and children and the people around the table, they're like, Amy, you just lit up. I think you need to go back and look at working with, with kids. And I was like, oh, okay. So 
So then I looked at myself and my story and I'm like, yeah, I do have a lot of wisdom to share to young girls because I know where they've been. And if I can pass a statistic on um, here in Canada at any rate, that every seven minutes, a child is being bullied on a school playground or in the school Mm. that they know of. So I know what's going on. And I just create a safe container, a safe space. Um, The way I do the things is through activity-based. So it's not always sitting and talking. It's okay, let's grab a piece of paper and we're going to draw some stuff. And then I want you to tell me about what you drew. I had a young girl that drew a picture. Um, The question I asked her was, tell me a feeling in your heart. What's your heart talking to you right now? What's it saying? And she drew a picture of a stick figure on one side and two stick figures on the other. And then she put the crayon down, started to cry. And I was like, oh, what's going on? Like, you know, let's both take a breath. (laughs) What's going on here? And she says, I'm over here by myself. And these two friends over here, I don't know if we're friends anymore. Mm. I was like, oh, okay. No, like, you know, I didn't overreact, but I didn't say, I didn't stay straight face. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever I said to her worked because the father came to pick her up from the school I was at uh, a few weeks later and said, what have you done to our daughter? She's different. She's coming out of her shell more. She's engaging with us more. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So it's the way I do it and interweave all my teachings and all my lessons from life. To work with these young girls. So you go into a school, is that how it works? They hire you, you come in and you do a workshop with them? I can do that, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, what also I do is one-on-one for nine weeks. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what this was. It was one-on-one at her school after school. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I can go into schools, go into uh, like girl guides, can contract mm-hmm. me in or other dance companies that want that bit of uh, teamwork, um, connection because I know dance teams sometimes there's a lot of competition teams mm-hmm. if they want their teams to gel call me because mm-hmm. I can come in and do a four-hour workshop on being brave on being themselves on being a friend and really getting to the heart of uh, you know looking at a, a friend a partner sort of speak across the way from them and say hey like Phyllis what I like about you is this yeah and, and the other girl receives it yeah, I do some uh, uh, work with teens, um, and uh, and there's this wonderful, and I've done it with adults too. This kindness exercise where people write down, um, you know, like they put their name on a piece of paper and then they pass it around. Uh, they write their name and then uh, and then they pass it around, and then each person has to write something they like about that person. And at the end of the circle, they get it back and they can see all the nice things that people have said about them. But I've taken it a step further where they write their name, but then they write the first thing on that paper is a nice thing they say about themselves. So, um, you know, because that's where it starts, really. It's got to start with yourself. So, um, well, a- Amy, so you and so in uh, your work, then you do uh, it's like you have a curriculum, and, and uh, what's the name of your business? The name of the business is Inch by Inch Empowerment mm. because it's, cause it's about taking a step at a time. Now, I know beautiful uh, femtors and mentors will say, take the giant leaps, take amazing inspired action. Yes. However, Sometimes we need to break it down even further. Okay, what's just one step you can do today? Mm. And that works well with, with the teens and tweens I'm finding. Well, I know you're doing great work and there's more to come. And in this day and age where we see school shootings on a continuing basis, 
Many times you hear that the shooter was bullied. We need people like you, money, many more people like you to help you know, stop these, these horrific crimes before they begin. But like you say, it really has to start inch by inch. It has to start, you know, with on the, the ground level that you're working on, um, not waiting until later. And I think that I know in the States that they take bullying a lot more seriously uh, these days and particularly now. Um, I'm not sure is the same, is it the same in, in Canada as well as, or, or is it sort of a school by school, no tolerance basis? What I've heard, Phyllis, is that it is almost school by school, district, uh, community by community, although the line that schools use in elementary and even up to the university is, we take this matter very seriously. Yet, I, I watched the movie The Hunting Room, which is on Netflix here in Canada. The statistics on sexual assault on campus is mind-boggling. Mm. And the reaction from the universities is equally mind-boggling. Um, yeah. Go watch the movie. I don't know what I'm going to say. What's the name of the movie again? The Hunting Ground. The Hunting Ground. Okay. All right, Amy, we've run out of time, but I, I so appreciate you and all that you're doing uh, for these young girls. And um, I'm, you know, the fact that you're here, you made it through, you're alive, and you're paying it forward to help others is just really courageous of you and um, just just so profound. So thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. It's had a pleasure today. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's Virtual Office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's Virtual Office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's Virtual Office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. You're listening to the EWN Podcast Network.